Welcome to this abbreviated worship service provided by St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A in Kankakee. I'm Pastor Carl Copen, and I'll be leading today's service. You will hear some scripture readings, a sermon, uh, uh, and the Lord's Prayer, as well as a benediction, and pray that you're blessed by these words this day. And if you want to find out more of our services, you can visit our webpage at stpaulslutheran.net and click on the word worship in the menu and you'll find more there. So let us begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear friends, our readings for this, the celebration of Holy Trinity. The first reading from Acts chapter 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man, accredited to God, by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. And as you, as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This is the word of the Lord. We continue with our gospel reading, the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. This is a very familiar passage to us. We used it as a theme a, a few years ago now, uh, and certainly uh, giving us a glimpse into what Jesus talks about as the, the Trinitarian, his Trinitarian nature. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Text for the message today comes from the gospel reading from Matthew chapter 28. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bless us. Bless us this day with your presence and bring us peace. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. In 1983, Australia hosted what is called the Ultra Marathon. It was a foot race from Sydney to Melbourne. It was 543.7 miles. It's a race that takes days to run. Professionals from all over the world come to participate. Shortly before the race began in 1983, a, a, a 61-year-old farmer by the name of Cliff Young wearing overalls and galoshes over his boots, walked up to the registration table and requested uh, a number to enter the race. Uh, the people at the registration table uh, thought it was a joke. They thought someone was setting them up. And so they laughed and, and he, he said, well, no, no, really, I, I'd like to run. And so they gave him a number, they pinned it on his overalls. And so he walked over to the start of the race. As you can imagine, all the other professional runners who were uh, all decked out in their running gear, running gear and, and they looked at him like he was crazy. The crowd snickered, they, they laughed, and even more when the gun went off to, and the race began because these were professional runners. They were, had sculpted bodies, they had beautiful strides in their run, but not Cliff Young. He, he didn't even run like a runner. Uh, Cliff Young ran with sort of an awkward, goofy-looking shuffle. In fact, uh, in that running style is now called the Cliff Young Shuffle. Uh, all, all the, although the crowd, the, they were laughing, and finally someone just called out, get that fool off the track. Well, five days, 15 hours, and four minutes later, at 1.25 in the morning, Cliff Young shuffled across the finish line, of the 543.7 mile ultra marathon. He had run, he had won the race. Now he didn't win by a matter of minutes or even an hour or two. He beat the previous world record by two days. And the second place runner was nine hours and 56 minutes behind him. He had set a new world record for this ultra marathon. Uh, the press came around and they mobbed him, wondering what kind of special running shoes he must have had. And they rummaged through his backpack, wondering what he survived on. He had basically pumpkin seeds and water. They discovered the secret to his success. You see, he shuffled his way to victory without ever sleeping. You see, the other runners would run for 18 hours straight, and then they would take uh, a stop and sleep for six hours. He didn't know that that's what they needed to do, and so he just kept running. He ran it straight through, enduring, running for five days, 14 hours, and four minutes, all at the age of 61. Hmm. Amazing, isn't it? Think back to a time when you were a child. How many times did you or your brothers or sisters say to each other, you ready, set, go, right? Maybe it wasn't your siblings. Maybe it was people gathered around the neighborhood or in the schoolyard, and that refrain was always present, right? There was usually that one person assigned to call it out, and, and then there, were, there it was. Ready, set, go. 
and off you would go. Those races in your neighborhood, streets, or in the schoolyards would be training, wouldn't they? I mean, especially if you were on some kind of a sports team. And before leaving school for the summer, a lot of times coaches would have a meeting with their team and maybe give them instructions for what needed to be done during the summer for the next season, giving them instructions what to do over the summer to get ready. In our very familiar gospel reading today, Jesus is giving you and me instructions. Instructions before he leaves. Sometime before his ascension, he gathers those disciples together for what is called the Great Commission. But he has much more important work for us than preparing to win a football game or or a race. But he certainly wants something. What he wants is to win souls for all eternity. He has given you and me an awesome opportunity to be co-workers for his gospel. Even though as he has ascended into heaven, he, he, promise, he promises that he will still be with us. When Jesus tells us, ready, set, go. Go and make disciples. He makes sure that we are well equipped to do so. He gives us authority with which to speak. He, he gives us the means of grace with which to do that work. He gives us uh, pro- his promise that he will be with us there to comfort us. And so let's take a look at these. Jesus says to go and make disciples first, to go with his authority. Because the, the Great Commission is a, a bold call to action. The statement leading up to the commission is even bolder, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. I mean, think about that. Jesus says all authority. I mean, the only one who could make that statement is the one true God. Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, is true man. Yet at the same time, he is also true God, as we confess or are confessing in the Athanasian Creed. Being true God, Jesus is one with the Father. He is also one with the Holy Spirit. He is equal part of the Trinity. And as part of the triune God, Jesus has all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. According to Jesus' human nature, total power is given to him by God the Father. According to his divine nature, he already, already has complete command over everything. This absolute authority that Jesus possesses is is divine. I mean, it's not a worldly power that someone can take away. It's not a worldly power like leaders in various parts of the world that face rebellions. It's not like uh, an assassination which leaves an immense power vacuum in a country. I mean, uh, there are struggles in communities now about the, the power and the rule of law. Even presidents, governors, and mayors lose authority when their terms are completed. But nobody can take away the divine authority of the triune God. I mean, the devil tried. No dice could happen. False religions have tried. Only in vain. Arrogant atheists have tried. Not a chance. Jesus still has all authority in heaven and on earth. He always will. 
His control is infinite. His power and rule is totally different. It is something unlike anything the world has ever known. As creator of all things, the Lord uh, directs creation for the benefit of his church. He uses his authority to, to grow that church. And with these verses, he uses his authority to issue this great commission for all Christians of all time. Therefore, go and make disciples. Telling us, since I have authority, I'm telling you, with that authority, now go and make disciples. He has welcomed you and me into this part of his work in this world. We go. We go baptizing, uh, like we saw a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We go teaching, as we do in in Sunday school and Bible classes in our day school. And as we do evangelism work, sharing the hope of the gospel, we have Jesus' authority behind everything that we do. We're not making disciples for our own benefit. Because if if our motive to grow is, is to grow the church's popularity or to make a name for ourselves, it's a sinful motive. We don't carry out the Great Commission so we can boast. We carry out the Great Commission to give glory to Jesus. After all, he is the one who has made that commission possible. For example, you read in your Bible about the apostles. I mean, they carried out the Great Commission. Uh, Whenever people wanted to praise the apostles for their work, they made sure to give glory to the Lord instead. They knew that it was the Lord working through them. You see, that's our motivation too, that all glory be given to Jesus. We go with his authority. All right, so we go, we make disciples for the glory of God, but how? I mean, how do you and I go and make disciples? I mean, because if we look at our own lives, there's not a lot that qualifies us. We have to confess that we are sinners, worthy of God's punishment. And if this work of going and discipling were left to us, if it were left to our own power, the Christian church would have died a quick death. If it were up to our own power, it would be a selfish message with no hope of eternal life. And yet, Jesus Christ has saved and forgiven you and me. And he's done even more because he knows that we need help. He knows that we need some tools in order to build that church. And he has given us the power and authority of the triune God. And the tools that he uses are the sacraments. They're able to work faith. They're able to strengthen it. We also have God's word, the Bible, to teach others about the truth of salvation. We call these the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper and God's word. We call them the means of grace. They are the means, the the channels, the pathways through which God's Holy Spirit works to bring us faith and then strengthen us in that faith. Jesus specifically addresses holy baptism here in our reading saying, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what a wonderful blessing baptism is because we are born in sin We're in slavery to sin and death and the devil. Jesus came to save us from our dreadful condition and he came to bring us into his family. Through the waters of holy baptism, we have received the blessings of the Son, our Savior. The Father has adopted us into his family. 
He has done so using the Holy Spirit who brought us the gift of faith. You know, as children of our Heavenly Father, we now have the blessings of his family. Those blessings of forgiveness, comfort, and eternity in his presence. The Holy Spirit is a blessing as he daily reminds us of our baptism, reminds us that it means that we are forgiven in, because of Christ's blood. He reminds us that we have the inheritance of eternal life by Christ's resurrection. All of these things are ours through baptism. And because of these great gifts in our lives, we, of course, want others to know that joy, that forgiveness, that grace. And so we share the good news of Jesus with people that we know, helping people to know the joy of being marked as one of God's children in baptism. God's blessing continues, doesn't it? Continues in that baptized life as we gather for the Lord's Supper. In with and under, simple bread and wine, we confess that we receive the true body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, to strengthen our faith, to unite us as one. The means of grace, the gospel, the sacraments are for all the nations. Just as we cannot pick and choose which parts of the Bible we want to teach or accept, we cannot pick and choose which people are worthy of the gospel. And I think, I think this is so important right now in our world today because there are so many divisions, so many battle lines that are drawn so quickly. And we tend to dismiss people right away, thinking that they are not worthy of receiving the gospel. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, if at all. It doesn't matter if you've gone to college. It doesn't matter if you've gone to trade school or, or no school at all. It doesn't, ma doesn't matter how you talk. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter whether you're comfortable or not. Jesus Christ came to save all people. When he put a soul before you and me, he wants us to be good so stewards. And you can be a good steward of the gospel by seizing those opportunities to speak that gospel, that good news to the lost and share the compassion, mercy, and love of Jesus. We go and make disciples with his means of grace. You know, this great commission is a great responsibility. And we finally go with Jesus' promise. He promises that as we go forth, as we go and make disciples, as we baptize, as we teach, as we share that good news, he promises that we're not alone. He promises that he is always with us, that he does not send us on this task by ourselves. Jesus comforted his disciples that day in Galilee. He said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, it's interesting, if you go back to that reading, we're told that when the disciples saw Jesus, some of them doubted. <laughs> if these were... If there were disciples who had seen Jesus do miracles, they've heard him teach, they've seen him raised from the dead, and they still doubted, I think we are going to have some doubts too. What believer hasn't doubted 
uh, or sometimes struggled with their faith. What believer hasn't sometimes doubted the Lord's plan? I mean, it's pretty easy to doubt God when you, uh, when you see the wicked prosper, right? It's e- pretty easy to doubt when you see uh, your child or maybe your spouse hurting in a hospital bed, isn't it? It's easy to doubt when we see the nation and our communities descend into chaos. It's easy to doubt when, when people do not treat one another with the love of Jesus. It's pretty easy to doubt when you can't shake that nagging sin. It's easy to doubt when the church isn't growing in numbers or, or when there's a shortage of offerings or even workers for, for the church. It's easy to doubt when it seems that no one wants to hear about Jesus. But Jesus confronts us with his, comforts us with his almighty power. He says, I am with you always. He has all authority. He rules over all of creation. And he's not going to stop caring for his children. He's got a plan for you, and it ends with an eternity, you in eternity with him. What could be greater? What could be more comforting than that? John reminds us that in God's presence, there is no more mourning or crying or pain, that all those tears that we shed now, those are wiped away. With that wonderful promise, we have confidence and boldness from Jesus to go and do that work. We trust that Jesus is always with us. We trust that because he has all that power. We trust him because he has called us to do that work. He will not leave us on our own. He will watch over us as we carry out that commission of his. Jesus didn't die and rise for nothing. He did it to save us and call us to that mission. We have confidence that Christ's gospel does work. Baptism does create faith. The Lord's Supper does strengthen faith. The word does nurture faith. Every teaching that Jesus has commanded does accomplish his will and does make disciples of all, of all nations. There's no doubt. There is no doubt that Jesus keeps his promises. Surely I am with you always till the very end of the age. You know, it's, it's like Jesus knew that we would still doubt when he said, surely I am with you. Because then he had he added always. <laughs> and then he knew that maybe we would still doubt. And he also added uh, always until the very end of the age. And, and with Jesus' forgiveness, with his forgiveness is always with us and, and, and he will never leave us. As I said in my sermon last weekend, lives changed by God's Holy Spirit are used by God's Holy Spirit to change lives. God's given you and me blessing after blessing after blessing. And because of that, we want others to know the love and salvation of Jesus too. It's my prayer that you're excited about the things the triune God has done for you and that you are used by God to go and make disciples. Because you don't go by your own power. You go with his authority. You go with his means of grace. You go with his promise. And you go. 
you go and share the good news of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Go so that there is a message of love, a message of compassion, a message of faith in the face of anger and fear and discouragement today. Go so that more people may hear. Go so that more people may learn. Go so that more people may trust in him for all eternity. Surely he is with you always. Amen. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are the good shepherd, and we are thankful for your blessings of, of guidance and love in our lives. We are thankful for your presence, and we are thankful that you know us each by name. We pray that you would bless our time and, and, and continue to bless our lives, that we may know you for all eternity. O Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go with God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. Amen. Thank you again for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. During this time of sheltering in place, you can continue to hear us here on WKAN Radio, but you can also hear our online worship services on our website. Just go to stpaulslutheran.net, click worship on the menu. May God bless you this day and always, in our risen Savior Jesus. Amen. <laughs>